What's up, everything? Well, not the Blues' chances of winning the draft lottery, for one thing. The Blues entered the evening with a 1.5% chance of moving up into the top three picks. But as always, when Luck and the Blues are tasked with coexisting, the Blues fell short. Consequently, the Blues retain the 14th overall pick in this year's draft, meaning the pick will go straight into the greedy arms of Ron Hextall and the Philadelphia Flyers. With that done, the Blues' offseason picture has moved into slightly clearer focus. Oh, and did we mention the playoffs are happening? Because they are! And we'll talk about all of this tonight, so let's get started and let's go Jets! Welcome back, everyone, to the Two Guys No Cup Podcast. We are coming to you live from our spacious and luxurious and, quite frankly, uh, just audacious studio in Barcelona, Venezuela, which is a real town of 950,000 people on Venezuela's beautiful northern coast. Look it up, folks. I did not make this up. And it has a sister city in the real city of Barcelona, because let's be honest, Barcelona, Spain is the real one that matters. (laughs) And it's still bigger than us. Uh, We're back. It is Saturday, April 28th, and we are here recording in the exhausting glow, exhausting uh, post-draft lottery glow. Bill Daly flipped his 15 cards. The Blues were the second. It was very Mm -hmm. anticlimactic. Ian, uh, you are my (laughs) co-host. How are you doing this evening? (laughs) I'm doing well. I was way too excited for the Blues to move up in the draft when they oh, were never, never going to. never, But the Carolina Hurricanes sure got to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about that. How's how's the rest of your week been? How's the partying going <laughs> that you it's, do? That's good. I do lots of drugs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're hard. <laughs> but easy to take. I'm going to put that down before I choke. On it, that's what she uh, said. So, um, <laughs> moving on. Uh, yeah, we've got a lot to cover this week. So let's jump right in and get it started with our favorite returning segment, Tavares Watch 2018. We have some uh, some speculation from the NHL's premier. Slightly douchey and yet surprisingly humble reporter Elliot Friedman, <laughs> uh, who said in his uh, 31 Thoughts podcast with Jeff Merrick, I, believe I so. remembered, uh, <laughs> he said, I have a nagging theory, and I know people are going to go bonkers with this, so I'm just going to say it's my theory, okay? I don't know that this is going to happen, but do you think that they would go? Austin Matthews and John Tavares are represented by the same guy. Would they ever go and say, how can we get both of them? I don't know, but the thing is, CAA might not. CAA is a, a um, agency. Mm-hmm. It's a, a representing agency that a lot of the top players are represented by. Uh, and I understand the agents. Both of those guys might not want to take discounts. They might just want to say no. But if they do, maybe you work it out that way. But I'm trying to think what Toronto is doing with their roster. They've got room to do stuff there now. 
Um, so basically, he's saying uh, Matthews and Tavares had the same agent. Mm-hmm. Can Toronto work out a deal to bring in Tavares and keep Matthews? What say you, Ian Peters? Uh, no, I don't think they can get that done. I've already agreed. Think- Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I already think that Toronto, and maybe we'll touch on them a little bit later, are going to have to get rid of one of their big three. Mm-hmm. Anyways, just to fit in the other big two, mm-hmm. so I I don't see where Tavares fits in. I guess you convince Matthews and Tavares to take discounts because they get to play together. Mm-hmm. But I, I but don't. They don't to, really, right? Because yeah, they're yeah. going to be on different they'll, lines. They'll be on the same team, but I guess same power play unit. Maybe, yeah, but. I think I think Matthews would possibly go for. I think John Tavares when you're 28 and you just want the cup and you're like, I'll just go to the highest paying team. That's yeah. good. If any, if anything, I'll go to San Jose before Ooh. the Toronto Maple Leafs. Ah, I mean, you're right. That's another front runner, supposedly. So Ooh. that's why I tossed them out. How gross would that be, really? Mm. Um, Just be sad. <laughs> so let's discuss the reasons Toronto will not be getting John Tavares. Cap. Uh, first of all, one thing. One thing I think that is a pretty good clue to this is every team is talked about in connection with Tavares. And despite the fact that Tavares is from Toronto, which is the constant connection as it was with Stamkos, I don't feel like the hype surrounding Toronto has actually been that high. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I just feel like that in and of itself speaks volumes of why uh, they're probably not a very likely option. But more importantly, Toronto has Patrick Marlowe. Mm-hmm. Being paid six point two five million dollars through twenty nineteen with a full no trade clause, they have uh, not Matt Martin. He barely matters two point five million through that same period. But uh, Andreas Janssen is an RFA after this year, so he's figuring to get a bump, even if it's a small couple of year thing. Mm. He'll get a bump. Uh, they have Nazem Kadri for four point five million through the end of time. A great deal, a very good deal for them, but still a chunk of their salary that they don't get to use mm-hmm. on anyone else. Uh, Zach Hyman signed forever, uh, but the most important thing is uh, Austin Matthews is a RFA after the after next season. Mitch Marner is an RFA after next season, and William Nylander is an RFA. After this season, uh, they apparently have, and I meant to double check this and I did not, so forgive me if I'm wrong, but they apparently have Nathan Horton's contract still on the books at $5.3 million for three more years. Um, and then they have other guys like Casperi Kapanen, uh, who are RFAs, which doesn't even mention any of their prospects. Doesn't mention the fact that they're paying $1.2 million to Phil Kessel for the rest mm-hmm. next decade. Uh, they're paying Frederick Anderson $5 million through 2020. Uh, they're paying Morgan Riley $5 million through at least 2021. And Nikita Zaitsev $4.5 million through 2021. And Jake Gardner $4 million for the next two years. And Ron Hainsey $3 million for the next two years. All of that, none of those are bad. Con- well, I think the Marlowe deal is pretty bad. But none of those are like terrible anchor contracts but what i'm trying to get at is as you alluded to if you sign tavares and you sign matthews 
Marner and Nylander are both gone. There's no way you keep those mm-hmm. guys. And if you keep either of them, then you just don't have a team to build anywhere else. Uh, but more importantly than that, scoring is not their need. They didn't lose to the Toronto, uh, to the Buffalo, not the <laughs> Buffalo, good Lord, to the Boston Bruins in Game 7, as we'll talk about in a little while, because they couldn't score goals, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they lost it primarily because Jake Gardner couldn't stop anything defensively. Yeah, and that's not to much. pick on Jake Gardner specifically. He's better than he looked in that game. But their desperate need is defense. And if they're going to drop a big old fat contract on a, on a premier player, it can't be John Tavares. It has to be Drew Doughty or Eric Carlson or even John Carlson. I'll say go for John this Carlson. Week, uh, this year, um, who will get not Tavares money, but you would think north of $7 million. Oh, for sure. Uh, so I I just I don't see it as possible. And I see it as the kind of move that it looks real great. It sounds real sexy in your daydream sort of thing. But then you try to actually do it and you're like, oh, this doesn't work at mm-hmm. all. Um, that said, of course he could go there. It's Toronto. It's his hometown. They're the Yankees of not being very good at hockey. Um, <laughs> they've got Steve Dangle. So it's possible. I just really don't think it's li- likely. Uh, the only other piece of Tavares news that I manufactured for this wonderful segment <laughs> is uh, that the Islanders did not win the draft lottery. And though they will be picking back-to-back at, I think, 11 and 12. Correct. Or 10 and 11, maybe. Uh they will not be able to lure John Tavares with Rasmus Dahlin, who was maybe their last hope. I really can't see him staying there, but who knows. Uh, do you have anything more to say about that? I think he, I think it's getting more and more likely that John Tavares is wearing a blue sweater. <laughs> Come July 1st. Oh, I, know. I didn't, uh, just said a blue sweater. Moving on. Does teal count as blue? No, it's green. Uh, that'll be so boring. What a boring uh, God, end to these And events. then they still wouldn't be good. Anyway, uh, that's all we have to say about that, which concludes Tavares Watch 2018 for this week. Uh, we're moving on to the big news of this evening. The draft lottery happened. Uh, the Blues did not win the draft lottery, as none of us are surprised to hear, because mm-hmm. good things don't happen to Blues fans. It was a 1.5% chance that we got first Which overall. Which is small, but seems weirdly high at the, f- the same time. The first time I loaded up a draft lottery simulator mm-hmm. on my computer and I hit run, it gave me Blues first overall. That was the only time it did it. That was the first time, and it had me like slightly convinced. I was like, I don't know. I think we're moving that up seems to number like one, fake, guys. <laughs> uh, but it was not to be. Uh, Bill Daly flipped two cards, and the second one had the Philadelphia Flyers. Which for a second, just a split second, I was like, Oh my god! And then I was like, Oh, they just skipped the middleman and put the Flyers mm-hmm. on the pick. Um, yeah. So the final three teams. Uh, ended up being Buffalo, Montreal, and Carolina. Uh, so if you weren't watching tonight, they revealed uh, picks 15 through 4 um, and kind of as they went along. Uh, they 
um, sort of mentioned if somebody was out of order. That we, so when they got to 11 or whenever Carolina was supposed to pick, they were like, oh, this isn't Carolina. That means they're one of the top three teams, you know? So, um, so uh, Carolina, Buffalo, Montreal moved up. I was all set to see that French-Canadian piece of trash Mark Bergevin <laughs> get Rasmus Dahlin just dumped into his lap. But thankfully, they got the, the stone-cold dagger of the third pick, which almost at that point just let me pick wherever I was supposed to. Like, just let me pick mm. fifth at that point. I mean, not, obviously, it's more valuable, but come on. Uh, <laughs> and then... Um, Carolina gets the second overall pick, which means that the Buffalo Sabres and their long, dark night of the soul <laughs> may finally end with the arrival of their team's second Rasmus, as you so wisely pointed out, Rasmus Dolan. Mm-hmm. And as I said on Twitter, Niagara is fallen for Dolan. <laughs> Very uh, good. So, yeah. So what do you think about Buffalo winning the draft lottery? I think it is... Long overdue. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad they did. They kind of got screwed over on the Connor McDavid sweepstakes, losing out to getting him, and they got Jack Eichel. I believe their GM at the time even said something really weird, like, oh, this is okay for us. When they got Jack Eichel, it was a really like backhanded like compliment uh-huh. towards Jack Eichel. I get you lost Connor McDavid, but like maybe just be happy for a second. So anyways, I'm glad they got first. Uh, Rasmus Dahlin is supposed to be an amazing, amazing defenseman. Very Victor Hedman, Eric Carlson-like. I think maybe a little more of a two-way game, so maybe more Hedman-like than anything. It's something they need. They need, God, Buffalo needs so much. But if you've got, like, a number one defenseman like that that you can build around, maybe you feel a little more confident moving forward and making trades and kind of just tearing down your crappy rebuild. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been trying. They've been trying to manufacture rebuild, and it just has not taken. It has not stuck. And they kind of have to do it again. And I think this is a perfect time for them to do it. You've got your number one defenseman. Clear out your goaltending situation. Uh, you can keep Ryan O'Reilly and hope to make him happy and his heart full and he enjoys hockey again. But you can just start clearing house again. You can keep <laughs> Jack Eichel, Ryan O'Reilly, uh, Rasmus Dahlin, Rasmus Rustalainen. I think they got another young guy or two. I think they have Alexander Nylander coming up. Mm-hmm. Bill's old, or Bill's old uh, younger brother. Yeah, they. I'm glad they got it. This they needed it so bad. Yeah, I would have loved it because oh god, I had too many dreams already of like, what if we had Rasmus Dahlin? Oh, the Blues would have changed. Oh, everything would have been on its head. Yeah, if 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 the Blues weren't gonna win it, I think this was a year where it was right for them to get it. Uh, Buffalo is a, a rabid fan base for both of their god awful sports teams, <laughs> and I have a kindred spirit for them for that matter, uh, for that fact. So I'm glad for them. Uh, Montreal gets to move up from, I think, five to three. Um, they'll Ooh. screw it up. Uh, <laughs> and then, <laughs> uh, Carolina gets to pick second, which they had to be thrilled about seeing as they were 11th or something, some yeah. right about there overall. Uh, however, this is not a year where like Stamkos and Drew Doughty are back to back first and second picks or Ovechkin and Malkin. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think the second pick, I think. 
will be Svechnikov maybe, it's but two, it's there's two a forwards. couple of forwards who are kind of the second and third guys. Which is really weird because the overall, the first round of this draft, maybe the draft overall is like super defenseman heavy. Mm-hmm. I think picks like four through nine are all defensemen. Yeah. Yeah, so they, uh, the Hurricanes won't be getting that same caliber of player with Dalian, but uh, I think they'll be thrilled to move out that far. It's mm-hmm. still obviously a game changer, and I'm sure whatever player they get there uh, will be a huge benefit to them, which is good. I like different teams getting a shake in uh, the the top of the draft, yeah. and it was nice to see it not be Edmonton or Chicago. Oh, I was or so Detroit, happy. Or Detroit, which were the three teams I was like, if this is fixed, that's who it's going to be. I was almost more happy to see Edmonton not get it. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, Lord. If I would have almost rather Chicago get it than Edmonton. Not, I wouldn't have, in reality, don't hear me and be like, this podcast full of crap, and I'm not <laughs> listening. But uh, I hate the Blackhawks plenty, but... I, re- I I don't even hate the Oilers. They just ruin good things. That's what the thing. He wouldn't have been he wouldn't have been wasted in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He would have been wasted up in Edmonton. Yeah, exactly. Uh speaking of the Carolina Panthers as we were doing just just a minute ago, uh Bill Peters, your beloved uncle, uh, uh was mm-hmm. has I love how you just totally know mm-hmm. yeah. that. Uh, Bill Peters way back. <laughs> Has uh, taken the out in his contract uh, to which I believe he wasn't technically fired. I think he had a one year like I can. Yeah, he was allowed to leave. Whatever, uh, and he took that because he has a good fr- buddy named Brad Trelli- Treleving, Tree Living, whatever. The GM of, than me. The GM of Calgary, whose name is Brad, uh, who uh, basically shit canned his head coach. <laughs> To make way for Bill Peters, his good friend, because the NHL is all about nepotism and giving the same tired hacks and other shots. Um, Can you call it a churn when, like, nothing no, changes? No, I guess not. <laughs> so, uh, Rob Brendamore stands a good chance, Rod the Bod, of Ooh, being yeah. Rod the Horseface. Oh, I mean, also face, true. Big old nose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he has a good chance of taking over in Carolina. I know they've got an assistant coach who's another top potential yeah, they got a couple for, people but, um but uh the bigger story here is brad brad bill peters moves to calgary uh we talked about this a little bit in the week and maybe had slightly different perspective on it but i'm i'm curious what you think if you're if you're a calgary flame fan right now are you excited about this hire like are you mm. real <laughs> no i heard something on the 31 thoughts podcast from Elliot and Jeff, when they were talking about... They're, they're good friends. I just call them Elliot and Jeff. Um, <laughs> they were talking about this hire, and they were saying that the reason that Trilliving probably made this hire was that this is his third coach he's hired mm-hmm. up there. And so he had to go with someone that he knew, or you know, someone that was like a known quantity, a known entity for him. But, but, but also they said <laughs> that this is his third coach, this is his guy. Uh-huh. If this doesn't work, he's kind of hitched to this horse. He's If Bill Peters doesn't work in Calgary, Brad Trilliving probably doesn't work in Calgary either. Yeah, They're probably both gone. So yeah. for his sake, you've got to hope that Bill Peters does something. 
I think he's an I, all right coach. But I feel like that's they could have done better. The equivalent of going to the buffet <laughs> and saying, "You know what? I'm gonna get some chicken nuggets because that's what I know." Like, yeah, I think that's I very think, apt. And Bill Peters again. I don't think he's terrible, but I just don't know what. And and you know, Mike Yo is a good example of this. So we're not above it ourselves. But I don't know what this inclination is in the NHL, and I think. The NFL does it somewhat too. I think some of the other leagues are less less likely to do it. Uh, but what is this temptation to take the known mediocre over a potential great thing? Like what it, you know? What is I don't know if Jerome McGinley has any desire to coach, and I think he technically hasn't retired yet. But like. Would you rather, if you're a Flames fan, have a guy you know is okay but not great in Bill Peters and got the uh, Hurricanes to the playoffs maybe once in his time there? I don't even think Maybe not even once. Um, Or would you rather them take a shot on a guy like a Gendler or whoever? I just, I don't know. I know as a Blues fan right now, I, I don't hate Mike Yo. But I'm kind of already like, oh, so what he was in Minnesota is just what he was. Yeah, and he's and the same thing then here. We're gonna, so we're, this is just going to end in a couple of years, <laughs> and we're not going to be any further ahead. I know exactly what you mean. You'd ra- even though it's unknown, the unknown could promise. The unknown is just sexier, something. I guess. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's kind of the... It's kind of the risk reward thing of like you know with the NFL draft this week. You could get the solid like receiver who catches everything but isn't all that exciting, or you can get the big tall guy who's you know unreliable but is super fast mm. or whatever. I was gonna say maybe Hitch is a good example as someone that was a known quantity that we brought in and made us better, but also he's like. And we've said this before, just like an amazing coach. Yeah, I mean, and he's that a Hall of Fame caliber Yeah, coach. that's what I mean. It was well-known. So that's kind of like a well-known quantity that you can really bet on. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I agree. I don't think Bill Peters has shown enough anywhere, as far as I know, in my limited Bill Peters knowledge. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Uncle. Um, <laughs> that he's done very much anywhere else. Did Bill Peters ever... Uh, coexist with jimmy peters on that team your cousin jimmy peters his his nephew because it's not his son no not not in in actuality or in our fake fantasy (laughs) um i don't think so maybe maybe the first year there's two peterses in in the (laughs) nhl as you all learn that ian does not know how to parlance his own (laughs) they're not related to me nor are they related to each other but i don't think they're they're all related in the circle of life uh some teams do know when to kick the can down the road and get rid of tired old garbage and that would be the minnesota wild (laughs) who finally ended the long and brutally ineffective tenure of chuck fletcher as their general manager uh chuck fletcher spent uh more than a decade or roughly a decade excuse me as the wild's general manager from 2009 to 2018 uh who is a brilliant reporter for uh, the uh, Athletic, um, wrote about the best and worst moves of his tenure. So let's discuss them. Uh, They're all bad. We're going to go from worst move, worst, lowest best move up to highest worst move. Oh, Uh, boy. Okay. 
Signing Zach, this is best move number five. Signing Zach Parise and Ryan Suter in 2012. Disregarding the 13-year contracts that arguably have handcuffed the organization. Not arguably. The (laughs) Wild went from missing the playoffs four consecutive seasons to making the playoffs six years in a row. Parise is the third leading goal scorer in Wild history and fifth leading scorer. Suter's 255 points are first among defensemen. Does that mean Wild or like Minnesota teams? I think Minnesota Wild. So that's not even that impressive then. No, but, scored, I'm, but I'm still amazed. Yeah, who scored more than 139 goals for uh, the Minnesota Wild? Maybe Marion Gabrick. Maybe. When he was there when maybe he was Miko young. Maybe Nico Koivu just because he's been there forever. Yeah. Forever. Is it Devin Setaguchi? Oh, that is not. <laughs> what a terrible. You, know, you know who they traded to get Devin Setaguchi? They uh, traded Brent Burns. I'm, we're probably going to get there then. If I'm sorry I jumped the sure. shark, but good God. <laughs> and by the way, Marion Gabarek and Miko Koyu. Nice. How we good are it. we? How we good are we? That's the authentic two guys, no cup action. Uh, I, think it's deba- <laughs> I think it's debatable if this is a good move. I think Zach Parise okay. has never been as good for a second after signing this contract as he was before it. And I know he's gone through a lot of injuries and a lot of personal tragedy with his father, and I'm not judging him for any of that. But um, he's just never been the same player he was post-signing this contract that he was in New Jersey and for the Olympic teams before it. Uh, and Ryan Suter, Sutter, I can never remember. Suter, I think. Uh, <laughs> I should know he's a very important player in our division, but... <laughs> I'm still not convinced he's all that good. He's fine. I think he's a really good. But number I don't know one. if he's a top tier number one defenseman. No, you know? I, mean, I think he's, he's a really paid good. Like one. He's a good number one for them. Yeah, because they don't really have anything after him that's as good. But I think you're right. But on the, any other, on any other playoff caliber team, mm-hmm. he might be first pairing. I'd put I, him in second. I pairing. think the knock on Suter when he was signed was well, he's only ever teamed with. Uh, Weber. Shea Weber, thank you, brain fart. Uh, so is he a real number one defenseman? And I honestly don't know if we've answered that yet. <laughs> and that's the thing about him. So neither of these guys have lived up to the contract, I would say. Suter no. maybe a little closer, but and they're not bad. They're like 7.5 AAV, which in today's money isn't insane. But they are through 20. 25. 25, yeah. 2025. So that's a buyout eventually, probably, I guess, but it's just bad. I'll be a 35-year-old man. <laughs> Good God. So I think it's debatable whether that's good or bad, but it did put him on the map. It was a huge move at the time, so we'll give it to him. Uh, number five on the bad end, he says, take your pick from the following. Not finding a way to execute a trade for Ryan Johansson, Jonathan Drewing, or Taylor Hall. I don't know about that. Signing Kyle Quincy last summer and the latest move <laughs> for a depth defenseman forward. Uh, he he labels Kobasu, Pau, uh, Staubitz, Nystrom, and Matt Cook. Uh, signing Mike Riley to an identical two-year one-way contract to Gustav Olofsson last summer, then letting his waiver-exempt rights expire in December, not finding a way to sign Kirill Kaprizov before he signed an extension in the KHL, and assembling a forward group 
full of lefties this season. Sounds hey, that's familiar. us. <laughs> uh, number four, good move. Finding and signing Jared Spurgeon. After the f- defenseman wasn't signed by the team that drafted him, the New York Islanders. Boy, that's got to hurt. Uh, the Wild <laughs> invited Spurgeon to development cra- camp, then Traverse City. Uh, then they signed him. He ranks fourth in Wild history with 509 games and second all-time among defensemen with 205 points. He's a good player. Mm-hmm. Um but honestly, if Jared if if Jared Spurgeon is like a top move in your tenure tenure, you should go. Um, <laughs> signing Martin Havlat as his first first big free agent signing just never integrated into the season. He wasn't happy here, particularly with his ice time under Coach Todd Richards, and he ultimately was dealt for Danny Heatley. Uh, wow, what an old wow. move. <laughs> Number three, good move. Trading Jason Palmanville and Marcus Gondella for Marcus Felino and Tyler Ennis. Oh, debatable. We all, oh, excuse me, that was the three worst moves. Okay. Excuse me. So let's okay. move on to three best moves. Signing Eric Stahl to a bargain three year, $10.5 million contract after leading the Wild with 28 goals in 2016 17. He matched Marion Gabrick's franchise record of 42 goals this past past season that should be higher on the list that's real mm-hmm. good he's done a great job there and i agree <laughs> with that and i'm hella jealous at the moment uh back to number three that i spoiled trading jason palmaville marco scandela for marcus Felino and tyler ennis we all understand by now the why the wild needed to create cap space last summer and this accomplished that feat but the result of the tra- trade was Felino eventually signing a four-year deal at an overpaid 2.85 million dollars <laughs> and we think friggin uh, patrick bergwin's contract is bad ennis having a poor 22 point season and possibly soon to become the wild's third buyout since 2000 2015. How is this guy still have a job? And the Wild lacking a trusting third, a trusted third left shot defenseman all season long. Number two, good move, acquiring Nito Niederreiter at the 2013 draft for Cal Quarterback and a third round pick. Niederreiter yeah. is a three-time 20 goal scorer and scored the Western Conference quarterfinals clinching goal in overtime of Game Seven against Colorado in 2014. Good player for them. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, number two, acquiring number two, acquiring <laughs> Martin Hansel, not to be confused with the aforementioned Martin Havlat, and God, this was a bad trade. I don't even need to remember it or read it. I just remember it. And Ryan White before the 2016-17 trade deadline in a package deal that included a first and second round pick. Bold move, and he swung for the fences. But why would you swing for the fences with Martin Hansel? Uh, and he swung for the fences in the year he felt the Wild were cup contenders, but they were not. Uh, <laughs> Hansel never seen the right fit. In hindsight, being 2020, the Wild lost a first and second round pick for a single playoff victory. And who was responsible for that? For those four playoff losses, Jake. I was just about to say the snake. Uh, finally, number one. What would it be? You know what it is. Is this the best move? Yeah. Oh, I should know the best move. Think about it. Think about that crappy team and what's propelled them to their mediocrity. Oh, Devin Dubnik. There you go. Acquiring (laughs) Devin Dubnik on January 14, 2015, for a third round pick. With the Wild at the bottom in the NHL in save percentage and free-falling, Dubnik went 27-9-2 with a 1.78 goals against average and 9.36 save percentage to save the Wild season. Be named a Vesna Trophy candidate, he's the second winningest regular season goalie in the NHL since. Pretty impressive. Ah, uh, and... Let me... You got the worst one? Yep. 
Oh. Give it a shot. It's, this one I didn't know about, but you may because you're more plugged in with. I wonder, okay, it's not a recent thing? Uh, not too recent. Okay, well then, I, I don't have a guess, but I have something to add when we're done. Okay. I think. It's acquiring Cam Barker oh, no. for Kim Johnson and Nick Weddy's right. Rights. Fletcher has admitted this error over and over again. I didn't know Nick Weddy was one of them. They had an oh, And then they yikes. traded him for Cam Barker. Gross. Uh, not to drag that out too long. I'll let you add your thing in a minute. But yeah. just to emphasize the fact that Chuck Fletcher, this is similar to the Bill Peters thing. Why was he allowed to be there for 10 years? They've gone to the second round twice in a decade. In a decade decade and both of those times they got bounced right i don't think like immediately they, they didn't reach the semifinals oh, no. ever did they uh so yeah i don't know why he was still there he's not there anymore i think his contract was inspiring anyway right it wasn't technically a firing yeah it was expiring um, and there's not re-upping them but uh why don't you add your thing before we move on i don't know the details of this i should so i apologize it's but probably in this long ass article here. <laughs> <laughs> They lost Eric Halla and Alex Tuck, somehow both of them, to the Golden Knights. I'm not entirely sure. I think they traded. They traded Tuck. Alex Tuck to Vegas for a third round pick in 2018 and Golden Knights selection of Eric Halla in the expansion draft. And they and I know this is just true of anyone on Vegas, but uh-huh. they've been having great years down there. Yep. And Halla was doing really well. You for called Halla as, as like a steal at the time. Yeah. So. I, I, on I don't know who else they had to pick, you know, you had to, uh, or who they had to protect in the draft because if you had a no-trade clause or a no-movement clause, you had to automatically protect that player. So maybe their hands were tied, but it just seemed like, man, those were two really good players that would definitely be helping this team right now, at least to have one of them. Or, kind yeah. of, you know, don't trade Alex Tuck? I don't know. Yeah. Seemed silly. I don't know. But they... Uh, have probably improved without Chuck Fletcher. And so that is somewhat depressing. The awards finalists, they're oh, out. Yes. This is your territory because you, no one else wrote it down. <laughs> uh, so why don't you lead us through who the finalists are for the NHL's various significant awards, and we will give our picks. Okay, because we don't... Because we got to vote because we're part of the media. Oh, yeah, I've got a badge <laughs> and everything. <laughs> Um, and the sunglasses. And the, and I got the, the, the media visor. <laughs> Mr. President. Um, <laughs> let's see. Do you want me to do each trophy and uh, then we'll pick? We'll do the pick? Yeah, but start with the boring ones. We'll, we'll finish uh, with the Boring heart. ones? Okay. Yeah. Let's see. We're going to give the Bill Masterson to Brian Boyle. Okay, right so off yeah. Bill Masterson, Bill Masterson trophy, which is essentially the person that persevered this year, the player that overcame no one great else odds. Had multiple sclerosis <laughs> this year. So they had Brian Boyle of the New Jersey Devils. They had Roberto Luongo. It was multiple sclerosis, right? Or was it no, I think it was leukemia. Leukemia, yeah. you're right, you're right. Who Brian, had somebody had MS though, right? Um Josh Harding the the wild Okay, but who, maybe not recently. Who was the guy that the that the Blackhawks traded to Carolina? Oh, last wow. year. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. Ah, uh, crap. I'll figure it out. You go. Bickle. Brian Bickle. Brian Bickle. And it was a mess with him, too, yep, right? Yeah, you're right. Okay. okay. You're right. I so Brian Boyle, forgot. excuse me, forgot. Leukemia. Terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roberto Luongo, who they said was just 
of the Florida Panthers was, was just yeah who conquered injuries, but then they also kind of added in that he lives in the Parkland area down in Florida and had a very sort of inspiring speech after the school shooting. Oh, so that's cool. Something related to that, and then Jordan Stahl, who I would almost give it to just because it's always just a sad, tragic story. I think him and his wife were expecting, and they had like a stillbirth. Oh, not to drag the Alex podcast Trangela down. Did that too. Um, he didn't get nominated. I'm guessing it's going Which to is a terrible <laughs> testing contest oh, no. to enter into. Um, I think it goes to Brian Boyle just because he was the most, I don't know, the most publicized High story. Profile, yeah, yeah. But that's very sad for the Stall family. You were right. We had to we had to lead with this one because now we're over the sad. <laughs> we're over stuff. the hump. We're out of here, folks. There's the Mark Messier Leadership Award. I don't know what that means. Uh, <laughs> it's an interesting group. We'll we'll end with a weird one. It's Blake, it's Dustin Brown, <laughs> Evander Kane, and the aforementioned Nick Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> it's Blake Wheeler, course, a captain, so that makes sense. Wayne Simmons, not a captain, but an, an, an alternate. alternate. Yeah. And then I think he's an alternate too, but just weird. And then Derek England of the Golden Knights, who's just like a fighter. Yeah, but he's, but he's from Vegas. Vegas. He's going to win. And Easy. Vegas strong this year. I've had a thing win. Yeah. I think I'd give it to any of those guys. I'd yeah. probably give it to Simmons, but who knows. All right, we'll start getting to these. Well, we'll we got one more boring one. You got the Lady Bing trophy. <laughs> oh, baby. Um, Ryan, no heart for the game, O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. No Vladimir Tarasenko no, this year. No Tarasenko. He got robbed. <laughs> By who was it? Oh, by Goudreau, I think. Goudreau, yeah. yeah, Johnny Goudreau. So Lady Bing this year, Ryan O'Reilly, William Carlson, and Alexander Barkov. Uh, Barkov had 14 penalty minutes, Carlson had 12, and Ryan O'Reilly, this has to go to him. It Bill has to. Carlson? Yeah, okay. William Carlson. Ryan O'Reilly had two penalty minutes. Just give it to what? him, because that's ridiculous. What? He plays he all play the... full season? That's what I mean. He plays all the games. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's Just give it to go. him because it's ridiculous. Two minutes? How is that possible? I want to look up what they're for. No wonder he didn't have a heart for the game. He didn't play the game. <laughs> it's he true. He didn't get near anyone on the ice. You would... There, everyone receives more BS calls than that in a season. Like, every individual player. He didn't do anything <laughs> questionable to penalty minutes? How is that possible? I think that's actually a very oh my good. God, <laughs> sorry, I'll, I'll tone I, it down. I think that's a very good view onto that Buffalo season what? because he just he played well. He had a fair, he had a pretty good season stats wise. But man, he obviously just didn't care to try um, physically. Uh, I ma- guess. Imagine if you're a fantasy hockey owner in one of those leagues where Pims is a stat. Which, by the way, if you're out there and you're listening, seek help. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but. And you draft Ryan O'Reilly, and you just look through it as two. It's two the whole season, and you're just like, but how? I hope they're like, delay a game. Uh, yeah, it probably is. It's probably some crap. I'm, I'm going to Google it. Maybe All right. go on. Let's see. We did what the... What was Ryan <laughs> O'Reilly's? Penalty <one> four. <laughs> penalty four. <laughs> Excuse me I, I as I know. kick your foot. <laughs> oh, Here's an article from uh, 2013-14 where he says, Ryan O'Reilly finally snaps, takes first penalty of the year for playing with a broken stick. 
He says, the most absurd stat of the 2013-14 season coming into Saturday's action, through 72 games, Ryan O'Reilly had yet to take a single penalty. So this is just the norm for this oh guy. Oh my god! Alright, here's Reddit. Reddit's gonna come to the rescue. We're sorry, folks. This was not the plan to just mm-hmm. go off on this train. Uh, he took a slashing... Well, it was slashing. He's done. He's oh, done. no lady bing for you. Uh, <laughs> He took it against Detroit on October 24th. There you go. Holy cow. I'm still giving it to him, because why not? That's just ridiculous. So there you go. You got your Masterson Trophy, your Messier Award, your Lady Bing Trophy. How has he not won it every year? That's the real question. I'll shut up. It's got to go to somebody else. Let's move on. Like Vladimir Tarasenko. The last three seasons, he has averaged... Whatever 20 divided by 3 is penalty minutes. Six and a half penalty minutes. So less than 10. Oh, my Lord. That is insane. His highest ever season was 18 in his rookie year. Wow. And 16, 12. He's had two seasons of two and one season of four. Holy cow. And one season of eight. How have we never heard about this? What a freak! One of the one of the fours was oh yeah one of the fours was twenty nine games twelve thirteen was the lockout right so shortened but still anyway just rename it the Ryan O'Reilly yeah. Trophy <laughs> Lady Ryan O'Reilly um, Selkie Trophy you got which is for best defensive forward so just it's like, a made up trophy yeah it's, it'll go to Patrice Bergeron <laughs> I don't have. The best NHL history knowledge as far as like way back when, but they pretty much made this for one person. I can't remember the name of the guy. It's not Selkie. No. Um, they made it for some guy that was just an amazing defensive forward. Like, we got to give him something. So they started doing that. Uh, you've got Patrice Bergeron, uh, Sean Couturier, and Anze Kopitar. So this, I was, uh, they were talking about it on, I think, Puck Soup. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Maybe 31 Thoughts. But this is like a gatekeeper trophy. Oh, yeah. Where there's always a guy that's knocking on the door. Um, Couturier has made it into the group. He gets to be considered as a finalist, which means he certainly won't win. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was um, Bergeron and who? Uh, Kopitar. I think they'll probably give it to Kopitar this really? year. Given how good his offensive season was. Because that's the thing that's stupid about it. They, oh, still, they still have still to be offensively offense. good. Yeah, It's not just like... Ryan Reeves never makes mistakes defensively. I'm yeah. not saying he doesn't. I'm just picking a name out of a hat. You know? It's not a Kyle Brodziak trophy yeah, or exactly. something. Yeah, I I'm leaning towards Bergeron, I, but I think he's won it before too. I yeah. think they both have. Yeah, I think. I mean, it'll be one of them. I would be surprised if it was Couturier, and it's a coin flip, honestly. But yeah, it's probably Bergeron. Mm-hmm. I love Bergeron, so that's fine. We'll move on to, we were just on forwards, let's move to defense. We'll do the Norris Trophy for best defenseman. Oh, baby, here's another toss. <laughs> you got Drew Doughty, Victor Hedman, and P.K. Subban. So they have the wrong Nashville defenseman. They do. It should be Roman Yossi, mm-hmm. for sure, for sure. Also, Ryan Ellis is the third best defensive player on that team. That's They're so disgusting. deep. <laughs> So, P.K. Suvon, Kopitar, Hedman? Or not Kopitar, Dowdy, Hedman? Yep. Okay. Uh, it should be Dowdy every year, but it's not. <laughs> I'm glad that this year it's not any of the point people, 
But I think P.K. Subban is, like, leading the league in even strength points or something. Yeah, he gets a fair amount of defensive starts, yeah. which I was surprised and, by. Uh, so it might be him. Like, his presence on there indicates to me that it could be him that he's even on the list at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be good for the league and for him to win it. Um, he's won before with in Montreal. Said, uh, I did not know that, so I'm ignorant. With that said, I think it might be Dowdy again. It might be time. Yeah. I think it's Drew Doughty. He was, I think he was, let me see, I'm looking at this. He wasn't, but he was, I think he had a 50-point season, maybe even a 60, like exactly at 60-point season. Mm-hmm. He was pretty good this year. He was probably their best player because in the again, playoffs. offensive stats matter for this category. Oh, yeah. I'm still of the mind they should either reform what this category means. He had means. exactly 60 points. How many oh, yeah. of those were goals, do you think? Um, Eight. Ten. Oh, close. <laughs> That's that's what happens. Is the nature of the beast. You can get all those assists. I think they should either make the Norse Trophy like best defenseman, literally, mm. or make a best defensive defenseman, and uh, Roman Polak can win sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's not even true. I think it'd he be wouldn't win if that. Roman Polak could win sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the, uh, we've did forward, we did defense. We'll move on to the Vesna Trophy best goaltender. You got Connor Hellebuck, Pekarine. And Andre Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky. There's another V in there. Vasilevsky. Who you got? Well, here, before I ask you who you got, here's some stats. <laughs> well, we won't jump too far ahead. There's uh, Hellebuck played 64 games, had 44 wins, had a .924 save percentage, a 2.36 goals against average, six shutouts. Pecorine had a .927 save percentage and a 2.3 goals against average. Vasilevsky had .92 save percentage, 2.62 goals against. Those are all pretty close, but the guy who leads in both of them is Pecorine. Uh, higher save percentage, the lowest goals against average, eight shutouts, ties him for the most of these three. Uh, played the fewest games, or say started the fewest games, but by like five games, so that's not even that big a deal. Uh you want to go first, or you want me to? I was just going to say, I think Vasilevsky is kind of out of the running just because he he's... faded real hard. He did fade. They played him really and hard. All these awards are sneakily like... The second half of the year. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, Elliot Friedman mentioned how he tries hard now to like really look at the whole season mm-hmm. and think about it as a whole, because that's what it's about. But yeah, you totally have a recency bias. Yeah, you just can't avoid it. I think it's Rene or Hellebuck, and I would lean towards... I'd lean towards Rene because Hellebuck, it's kind of like the gatekeeper thing. This is his first time being nominated. Yeah. He did a really good job, but it's not like he's not old enough and hasn't right. done enough to win the trophy yet, you know? Can you read me their stats, those two stats yeah. again? So Hellebuck is a point nine two four mm-hmm. save percentage to Pecorine's point nine two seven. Okay. And then Hellebuck has a 2.36 goals against average to Rene's 2.31. So they're okay. real close. Do they start like roughly the same amount of games? Uh, Rene's 59 games started and Hellebuck is 64. Ooh, so okay. a f- five game I, diff. With all of that set, I think Rene's going to win it yeah. in wash. Not that we'll know because they don't tell you like how many first place votes. I'll vote for. <laughs> uh, but. He's never won the Vesna before, I don't think. He's been Is a he finalist not? four times, but he's never won it. Oh, well, then and it's for it's sure. Arguably his. his best career year, mm-hmm. and he's 35, and who knows how many times 
He'll get a chance, and the there. NHL loves to just kind of hand people awards for those reasons. Not that, not that they're handing it to him. I mean, he's very deserving this year, <laughs> but like, it's kind of that Leo DiCaprio thing where it's like, okay, the Revenant has to win it because it's the one that's now, and the drama's built up for long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Pekka will win that. All right, and I think for the same reason, like you said, Hellebuck is going to have other chances. And so yeah. Let's see. Then we've got the Calder Memorial Trophy, so best rookie. And we've got three here that were all had some pretty good seasons, obviously. you got Matthew Barzell of the New York Islanders. Mm-hmm. You have Brock Besser of the Vancouver Canucks. And you have Clayton Keller of the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, Barzell had definitely the highest points of any one of those three. 82 games played, 22 goals, 63 assists for 85 points a point-per-game player, more than that, and his rookie year. That's amazing. I'll just say it right now, I think it goes to him. But yeah. there's Brock Besser. He had 62 games played. He had some injuries there in the middle of the season. Uh, 29 goals, 26 assists, 55 points. Still really good. Clayton Keller had a really amazing start to the season, and then he kind of faded a little. Uh, had a little harder towards the end. Yeah, week, yeah the whole team got a little know. better. Yeah. Uh, 23 goals, 42 assists, 65 points for him. In a full 82-game season, uh, Chesterfield's own Clayton Keller, yes. we should mention. And not St. Louis. Oh, no. Not dirty old St. Louis. Very from Chesterfield. Uh, I think Barzell runs away with it. Yeah. It's not close. He was awesome. Mm-hmm. There were some other really good ones out there this year. Um, yeah, it was a good year for rookies. He sure had a good year. Yeah. I don't know what Patrick ended up doing, but... Um, I can't remember this guy's first name. The Jet. His last name's Connor. Uh, had a pretty Kyle good Connor. Kyle Connor had a pretty good season. Yeah. Um, Charlie McAvoy, who played last year's playoffs but didn't play during the season, yeah. was a rookie this year. Had a really good season. Uh, sometimes it just happens. I mean, Pareko had a really good season his rookie year, but he was matched up against I can't even remember who. Sometimes there are six or seven deserving candidates mm-hmm. for rookie of the year, and then sometimes Barrett Jackman wins it. Oh my god. Is that, like, inconceivable to you oh, in hindsight? It's, it's, and I adore Barrett Jackman. This isn't, like, crap on Barrett Jackman hour, but oh, my God. It, it was inconceivable when it happened. Because uh-huh. it, it was Rick Nash's year, right? He was oh, a rookie that year. I believe it was. Let me look at this. I believe it was Henrik Zetterberg's year. Oh, was it Zetterberg and not Nash? Or was it Zetterberg and Nash? It could have it been both of them. But I remember it being, let's see. And the and I mean this is small uh, points are a little lower. Small rice. Small rice. In two thousand two, two thousand three, uh, Henrik Zetterberg played seventy nine games, twenty two goals, twenty two assists, forty four points. Not crazy high compared to what we just looked at, but also it was a tighter checking game, a lot mm-hmm. of clutching, grabbing. That's pretty good, and it's just almost unheard of for a defensive defenseman to win. Yeah. Rookie to win almost anything did really. Point, what did you say? His points total. For uh, Henrik? For, oh, yeah, for, never mind. I was confused about what I was hearing. Yeah, 44 points. Not for Barrett Jackman. Good Lord. Then he does deserve it. Um, Yeah, definitely Barzell's to win this year. What a strange, I mean, he must have been insanely good that year defensively to even get noticed. I don't know who he was playing with, I wonder. People must have just been like, holy crap, this guy on defense. Which contrasted nicely with all the Blues fans for the rest of his career who were like, holy crap, this guy <laughs> on defense? Get this guy out of here. There's been a uh, few times I yelled at him. bum Let's see. Moving on, we'll, we'll save Hart for last. We've got the Jack Adams Award for Coach of the Year. 
which as I think many people have said before, it just means team that stunk you or mean, was supposed to stink. You mean the Gerard Gallant award? Yeah, pretty year. much. It's taking a team that no one expected to do anything, and they did do something. So you got Jared Bednar of the Avalanche, Bruce Cassidy of the Bruins, and then, of course, yes, Gerard Gallant of the Golden Knights, who, like... I don't know what business Bruce Cassidy has doing on this list respective to those two guys. That's what I mean. I'm like, they were a pretty good team anyway. Which is why he'll win it. I think it can't be anyone but Gallant. Yeah. He made a team. He, like... I mean, I know he didn't assemble them, but he basically took a... He was basically a college coach. It was like, hey, you're all recruited here this season, and you've never played together before. Let's go win... At least one round of the NHL playoffs. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't imagine it'll be anyone else. Yeah, they'll go to him for sure. But I would say Bednar second, Cassidy third. If, yeah. You know, in terms of... Push comes... Will you, a lot of these awards... Uh, I swear to Lord if Cassidy wins it. Oh, by the way, the uh-huh. Knights and the Sharks are in overtime. Oh, okay. So. Pause the podcast. Um <laughs> We'll go, and the very last trophy here is the uh, Hart Trophy. So, most valuable player to the team. This was MVP. This is regular season. Conn Smythe, obviously, is for uh, playoffs. Hart Trophy, Taylor Hall, Nathan McKinnon, Anze Kopitar. Taylor Hall had 93 points. Next closest on his team was Nico Heischer at 52. Nathan McKinnon had 97 points. Next closest was Rotten at 84 uh, Anze Kopitar at 92. Next closest was Dustin Brown at 61. This is a hard one. I think it has to be Taylor Hall for me. Yeah. Mostly because not only is he 40 points ahead of the next closest person on his team, but that guy's a rookie. Mm-hmm. And, like, I know the argument is, well, yeah, but McKinnon... Uh, Excuse me, McKinnon carried it, you know, Rotten into the 84 points. And that's mm-hmm. true, but Rotten still got the 84 points. You yeah. Know? Like, if you're just shooting. Like, he's still a really good player. Pat Maroon doesn't get 84 points even playing with friggin', you know, Nate McKinnon or whatever. Um, yeah. And I don't, as good as Kopitar was, he had a phenomenal season. I don't feel, I don't get the same feeling of like, this guy dragged his team to the playoffs kicking and screaming. Mm-hmm. It's when you get both the, yeah. both the, um, Devils and the Avs had major goaltending issues all year and overcame even that just because of the, these guys. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but. So what were you guys? Oh, oh, um, no, I was just gonna say that if you got Drew Doughty on your team, you're not the only one carrying yeah, the team. Right. And Jonathan Quick. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I I see I'm it with as you. Taylor Hall, but mm-hmm. I, if Nathan McKinnon wins, if any of those guys win, I'm not gonna be like furious. And certainly, if McKinnon wins, I'm not gonna be too surprised. Mm. And that's again more of a like, what have you done for me lately? Because McKinnon was red hot closer to the end of the year. Mm-hmm. In the second half, at least, not that Hall. I mean, they were both good all year, but Hall was peaked a little bit early when he had that like twenty-five game point streak or whatever. So, well said, well done. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Those are the awards. Is that it? Is that it? Uh, there's the ten- what's the Lindsay is most outstanding player. Yeah, it's best player voted on by the members of the NHLPA. So it's their it's a players uh, voting for players. And it's McDavid. That's Connor McDavid. I'm sure. I mean, but who were the? Oh, other two? I don't even. So there were pictures of three, but I don't know if people get nominated. I think you just. Cho- I think you I just. I think vote. there were finalists. Oh really? It's. I think it's McDavid, McKinnon, and Hall. 
Okay. I believe. I think it'll be McDavid. That's the way you get it. And, and that's the way you get around naming McDavid the heart guy every year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So those are the awards. The awards show is a couple nights before the draft, right? Yeah. And, and normally in Vegas anyways, and I'm sure still in They're Vegas now. In Vegas. And hopefully Connor McDavid can win the Lindsay so he can awkwardly stoop to the microphone and awkwardly wave his goodbyes. Look like a 50-year-old man. Um, so, yeah. So we'll look forward to seeing who actually wins those and how they align with our picks, which we're pretty much in. Yeah, nothing we didn't crazy. disagree on any of them. I maybe said Kopitar to your Bergeron on the Selkie. Um, and you will die. For <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the playoffs are happening. Uh, appropriately, we spent almost an hour before we even got to them. But they're happening currently. The Capitals and Penguins are facing off. Who saw that coming? Uh, the Penguins are up one to nothing in the series after a three-two win uh, that had been a two to nothing Capitals lead. Evgeny Kuznetsov scored like 17 seconds into the first game, uh, and then the Caps scored again, but could not hold on to the win even without Evgeny Malkin playing. Lots of Evgenies in this series. <laughs> uh, not some, not a name you hear a lot in West St. Louis County, but. Um, Here's 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 where you spin this. You know how you always have to say, "Well, the Capitals are gonna lose." Mm-hmm. So, by contrast, you have to spin it the other way. The Capitals always win Game One. So now that they haven't, it's like different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this <laughs> is the same way. Go ahead. Oh, and say like, what yeah. This I know is, you're about to say this is like when the Blues. Yeah, one Game One and Game Two against the Kings, and then the Hawks the next year too, and then they got. 4 owed in, like, game three through six. Uh-huh. And so then when we lost the first game in 2015-16, was it 15-16? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Or 14-15 to uh, the Wild, I was like, oh. You were like, this is new. Oh, this we could, could win now. <laughs> and, of course, we did not. No, we didn't. Um, <laughs> A game six loss. Surprising. I was, I want to say, dead on in my Flyers-Penguins prediction. I called that series better than anything. Uh, specifically that it would go six games and it would be very nasty and competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Evgeny Malkin got hurt trying to slew foot. Uh, <laughs> friggin' poor uh, Yori Laterra. So let that be a lesson to him. Um, <laughs> just inconceivable that he tried to do that. Uh, I want to talk about Game 6 for a minute, though, because this league's officiating so bad. It's just so bad. And I know you weren't you weren't watching this game, right, for one reason No, I watched the replays of those, but yeah. Uh, so the Flyers are pushing when I think it's 4-4, maybe it's 5-4. But it's close, you know, late, close and late. And the Flyers are pushing on the power play. And Matt Murray just clearly kicks the goals off at Smores. There's no play particularly near him. And he just clearly kicks it. Like, he, he's not even, like, sliding away from it. It's just clearly a push. And the goal goes, the net goes off its moors. And there's no, there's a whistle, obviously, but there's no punishment. And then in the next play, in the fire zone, there's a brutal trip by Latang on some fires play. I think it's Couturier. Couturier, yeah. who can't walk. So as he had no MCL. He still scored a friggin' hat trick in this game, and they still couldn't do a damn thing to win it. <laughs> he gets tripped by Latang. Gensel gets it and scores. That made it either five to four, or six to four. 
just no call. Even the NBC guys, who you know are in the tank for Pittsburgh, are saying it's a brutal no call. When Pierre Lebrun is like, or not Lebrun, Pierre Maguire is like, that should have been a call, like, not angrily, but like sternly, Mm -hmm. you know it should have been a call. Uh, And then the Flyers are pushing with the goalie pulled, and yeah, admittedly it's 7-5 to Penguins at this point, but a puck is flipped up ice, and it it drops in front of Giroux, and he's clearly cross-checked. Like, clearly cross-checked at center ice. And there's no call, and the Pens got the puck and got the empty netter. It was just like, the Penguins were gonna win this series. They didn't need the refs to hand it to them. And I don't know, like, I, I'm listening to a lot of a Liverpool podcast right now because they're awesome and they have cool accents. <laughs> and they're just talking about how the... Barclays Premier League, the English Premier League's officiating is just terrible all the time, and it's just affecting every game Mm -hmm. because these guys have too much of a personality of their own, and it's not standardized enough. And I just, I think the same thing's happening in the NHL, and I don't know why they don't seem to care. Because you can't, like, you don't know what goaltender interference is from Oh, not at all. You don't know what um, offsides is. It's like there are certain plays that are specifically bad, and I don't know how you balance all that out. I know you didn't see the game. I didn't want to rant too long, but I did want to get that off my chest. I do think the Penguins would have gotten here anyway, so I'm not. Yeah. I'm. I don't hear me saying, "Oh, the Flyers got screwed." I mean, they got screwed, but they didn't get like royally screwed. Yeah. Uh, the question here, I guess, with this series for me is: Does Matt Murray need a safety net? Going and going forward, he's always had Mark Andre Fleury behind him, and people can say what they want about Mark Andre Fleury's not that great. He seems pretty great, <laughs> uh, but he's always had Fleury behind him. Does he need Fleury behind him, or is he okay? Um, do you have anything to add about that series? I kind of ramble on for a long. No, time. mine was. I didn't think one's gonna win it. There's no way that. There's Four no way the Penguins. <laughs> there's no way the Penguins don't win it. Uh, Last year, the Penguins were often outshot, especially against, who did they play? The Rangers? Or they played... Uh, Ottawa. Ottawa, for sure. Yeah, I think Ottawa I beat the Rangers. I know they played in the first round. I know who they played in the second round. They didn't play the Rangers, now that I think about it. Because it's set in stone since time immemorial. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, they, yeah, they got outshot heavily a lot of different games and different series that, even in the uh, finals against the Predators, mm-hmm. and they'd still come away with wins. They just managed yeah. to just, like, somehow... Penguins don't look good. The The last seconds tick off the game, you look up, but they won. And you're like, I don't get it. I literally, I was, I, I turned away from this game at 2 nothing. I was like, oh, the Capitals are going to win game one like they usually do. And then it was just 3-2. And I was like, oh, I guess this is life now. I've got, I've got Penguins. <laughs> I said the Capitals are going to make it interesting. So Penguins in seven. Excellent. So quickly... Blue Jackets, Flyers, both teams that maybe exceeded expectations this year, agree or disagree, or were right um, at expectations? I think Columbus is a little bit better than maybe people thought, but again, it's just got to be frustrating as a fan base to watch this team constantly just tooth and nail their way to the their first series win. They've mm-hmm. never won a series. For a long time, they had never won a game in a series. They made the playoffs and they get swept out. Then last year or two, they've won. They've won a game, mm-hmm. and then this year, they won. They were 
leading in the series. It's the first time they led in the series is they won the first game. Uh-huh. But they still get bounced. <laughs> and it's just, I it's would be just, so sick of it as a fan. I have so much more sympathy for a Columbus when people mm-hmm. bitch about the playoff format. I don't care. I, I don't care at all when it's a national media guy saying, we shouldn't have Washington and Philadelphia and Pittsburgh in, in uh, round two. That should be in round three and blah, blah, yeah. blah. That, that bores me and I think it's stupid and whiny. But if it's a Columbus <laughs> team that's saying, we get into the playoff, we have to play Pittsburgh or Washington every year. Every year. It's, it's a given. It's a given that we're doing that. <laughs> that I have more sympathy for. I still am not, I'm not strong one way or the other on changing the format or not changing the format, but I at least kind of get mm-hmm. their side of the story. And I think with the Flyers, definitely outperformed expectations. And I think they should be, they shouldn't be happy, but they should be fine with where they are. They've got a couple draft picks they managed to do still well during the season. I think they got young guys like Ivan Provorov and stuff that are... Provorov's real good. Yeah, they're just getting better and better. Victoria is underrated. Simmons will be gone after next year, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're in a good spot. I think yeah. I think Ron Hextall is pretty good at his job, which is saying something because a year ago a lot of people did not think that. <laughs> um, it's weird how a year can change that. The Lightning and the Bruins are playing, and the Bruins beat them 6-2 to two this afternoon mm-hmm. uh, because their forward group is surprisingly good. Um, I'm scared now that what <laughs> you uh, foretold into fruition is going to happen. They're winning the Cup. The Bruins are frightening. Uh, if this is my only re- request, if David Backus is going to lift the cup, just please, he'd, he'd better at least put an adorable puppy in the bowl. Oh, for sure. While he lifts it. Um, Jake DeBrusque is really good. Yeah. Surprise, uh, surprise. The question for the lightning is, can Andre Vasilevsky bounce back? Not that this was like a, oh, he sucks game, but like, can he get his confidence back? Because there is nothing behind him. <laughs> uh, you have anything about this series? I think uh, I think it's going to be closer than what it was today. Tampa, again, sort of like uh, anyone against Pittsburgh, outshot Boston. But mm-hmm. Boston, every time they had the puck and got in the zone with any amount of speed, they capitalized and scored like every time. That top line of Pasternak, Marshawn, Bergeron is bonkers. They kept saying on the broadcast, they're like, oh, they're definitely one of the best lines in hockey. And I was like, What's, can we start saying like the best line? Because they're so good. And yeah. they were talking about how they communicate. And there's just there's this knowing of where they're going to be. I watched Bergeron sit in front of the net. Marshawn went to the corner. And Bergeron essentially, I mean, it's a simple hockey play. But he's like, oh, I'm not going to sit in front and hope for a tip in. I'll just scoot back instantly. Like the minute... Marshawn went to the corner. He was back away from Vasilevsky for a one-timer, and he scored. He didn't, wasn't even looking at like where Marshawn was going. He's like, oh, I, I get it, and just bang. And it yeah. happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah, they're frightening. I, th- I think it's going to be harder than this game. What was, what was that tweet about Brad Marshawn or something? There was some tw- somebody tweeted about the audacity of a no-call against Brad Marshawn, <laughs> and I was just like, what? They claimed to have... The, Media claims that the NHL requested Brad Marchand stop licking people. I have heard that as well. But then he's claimed in in Trumpian fashion that this not be the case. <laughs> <laughs> that is fake news. Um, Let me tell you something. 
I lick people all, all the, the time. time. They love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's going to be Bruins and <laughs> what seven. A freaking weirdo that guy is. I thought the Lightning were going to win this, but they are not. Uh, the Devils, our team. I was like, they're not in it. Gotcha. That, I think, by all accounts, phenomenally outperformed oh, expectations yeah. this year. Uh, I think when we did the the, um, what's the not metro the Atlantic Division mm. rundown early in the season, I think we both kind of put the Devils as like maybe a fringe team, which I guess they were, Towards but the not end. the way I thought they would be. It was Taylor Hall's show, and consequently. They're at extreme risk of plummeting back down to earth if they don't make some smart moves this summer. How do you feel about the Devils? Yeah, I agree. I think they gotta they got to figure out what they need on that team to sort of help Taylor Hall out and sort of bolster what they have. They've got talent, I think, what, he shared a 52-point season. He shares a really good yeah. player. And by the way, after most of the year, Nolan Patrick was of those two guys thought of as the number one pick by most. Mm-hmm. I think they got it right. I mean, you don't want to say, well, their rookie season decides that. But yeah. he sure seems to be a, a level above Patrick. I think he's definitely going to help keep them, pull them and keep them out of the basement. I think they did a really good, they did a really good job. They got very lucky in winning the draft lottery <laughs> last year. Um, yeah, I've, I'm glad that they're back in the mix. It's yeah. probably not as fun for older fans because they're like, yeah, I remember the Good Devils. I hated the Good Devils. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, they're a different team. They're a lot more fun to watch. I enjoyed watching them play the Lightning. They're just obviously not at that caliber yet. Yeah, I think um, I think he sure is great. I think they got to find Taylor Hall some help this summer. Mm-hmm. And they need some defensive help, and they need to sort out their goaltending mm-hmm. situation. So they're not in a great spot. Uh, the, the Maple Leafs are where they were last year, a tough, hard seven-game first-round exit. Uh, they're on the up, obviously, but I th- I think you can argue this was the year that they were maybe supposed to push through, not to, like, the cup, but at least the, around. the second round, arguably. Um I le- watched Steve Dangle, who, for those of you who don't know, is a is a basically a celebrity Leafs fan. Yeah. Uh, he's a very famous Leafs fan who has a podcast and does these videos called LFR, Leafs Fan Reactions, uh, every game. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did his final one this series. And, and I think I wanted to read this quote. It's a little long. It's not crazy long, but... Uh, because I think it really summarizes where they're at, but I think it's kind of a good message for Blues fans because not that we're in the same sense where we did like a real rebuild, but I think it, it's a good reminder of where we are. Uh, he, he said, and he says these things with a lot more personality and inflection, so feel free to uh, look it up on YouTube if you want to hear the real thing. But he says, this is what we asked for. We asked for a full rebuild. We got a full rebuild. We prayed for them to draft well and even win the draft lottery, and they did. We kept begging for the day that we could finally call the Leafs good, and they show up with a 105-point performance in the regular season. They're good. And when your team is good, what do you have? Expectations, optimism, and cruelest of all, hope. The rebuild is the easy part. Go young, lose some games, learn some lessons. This is the hard part. This is where you can and will get your heart broken. This is the pain they warned us about. 
uh, oddly poetic about mm-hmm. <laughs> least fan reaction video, but um, yeah, I just think I think the corollaries to the Blues aren't obvious, but I just think as a team who's sort of retooling, we need to remember the goods and the bad of being in the other position where the Leafs mm-hmm. are right now. It's not all bad that we miss the playoffs. That's, That's all I guess true. I'm saying. Uh, the Golden Knights and the Sharks are playing. They went to overtime. Overtime round one has ended, and it is still tied at three. So uh, if we finish this podcast quickly, you will not know who won, and if we do not, you will. Uh, but currently, it is up. It is a one nothing Vegas series lead after an incredible and I think fair to say shocking 7 to nothing defeat of the Sharks, which, of course, not only totally overturned the narrative of the first round series between the Knights and the uh, Kings, but now just kind of set the world on fire for uh, the narrative that the Knights are, uh, you know, Stanley Cup contenders. Uh, I am starting to believe anything is possible for the Knights at mm. this point. I just can't, like, I still don't think they're winning the cup i still wouldn't put money on them winning the cup but at this point sure could happen it really could i mean it really could it'd be a fun Uh, story yeah absolutely it would be it'd be a movie i mean you'd make a hundred movies oh yeah that's a movie uh who plays david perron in the movie jean-claude van damme there you go Uh, series is of course far from over they need to find the other french actor to play william carrier in his one cameo appearance oh when they trade for ryan reeves it's gonna be sam jackson (laughs) just like the random black guy Mm -hmm. uh series is far from over obviously uh, Vegas, if Vegas goes through here, my one question is how uh, will not having the home ice affect them in the next round mm. will be interesting. Do you have anything to add about that series? Man, I think the Golden I say Knights... say that like you're not allowed to. Can we wrap this, this up? up? <laughs> we, we have places to be. Um, I think the Golden Knights take it in six. I, like you said, I'm just starting to believe. It's a really interesting playoffs because I think... All of these series, and we'll get to the last one, um, are interesting in that like there's a team that I really think's coming out of there that I think's coming out of there, and there's a team that I like want to come out of there, and it feels like they're kind of the opposite in my mind. Yeah, like I want the Golden Knights to come out of there; they probably will. But then I also sort of have this weird feeling that it'll be the Sharks. Mm-hmm. I kind of want Tampa Bay to come out, but I think the Bruins are going to take it. Yeah. I would like Washington, but it's going to be Pittsburgh. <laughs> and then I really want the Winnipeg Jets to beat Nashville. Yes, as our opening homage indicated. We're not now Jets fans, but Ian is for oh, the time. Oh, for period. sure. <laughs> I No, I won't say love. Love is J-E-T-S, too strong. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. I've, Let's go. <laughs> I very much enjoy the, New the York Jets. Jets drafted someone. I don't love the Jets. Which quarterback was it? I don't remember. No. Sam Darnold. It was Sam Darnold uh, of the United States Calgary Trojan Trojans, which is what USC huh? stands for. <laughs> I'm sorry, my brain broke. I'm so the lost. USC Trojans. Go on I to gotcha. your thing. We're, nobody, nobody heard this. You all are just <laughs> now tuning in again for the first time in 30 <laughs> seconds. Oh, I was going to say, I don't love the Jets, but I... 
loves spending time with he the Jets. Does <laughs> he drives past the Jets' house at night, wondering at their home. He hates. Why won't they call? <laughs> he, he hates seeing the Jets out with other people. <laughs> if he goes to the mall and the Jets are with a group of friends, he will not talk to them. No way. Stupid Jets. Why do I love you so much? Um, I, that series is so bonkers. That's just the one game Nashville outshot. Again, it seems to be a round two trend. Um, Nashville outshot Winnipeg. Winnipeg on pretty much every grade A chance they got, they scored to win the game 4-1. They're, I think it's a team that Nashville doesn't quite know how to answer because if they make a mistake, the Jets just instantly get all over them. And most teams, Blues, Avalanche, other Central Division teams, just don't have that sort of firepower mm. to be able to get Nashville on their toes, and I love it. Oh, do I love it. Also, <laughs> I think we've mentioned this before, and it's uh, it's grinds my gears. It's, it's very <laughs> annoying. They were up 3-0. I think they were up 3-0 on Nashville, the Jets were. Mm-hmm. The Nashville scores a goal. It's 3-1. So what... Does Nashville, of course, chant, well, Hellebuck, you just suck, and it's oh all your fault. God. But you're uh, down three to one. Uh, He's going super saiyan. Evolve into full rage mode. What the worst one I've ever seen. They went, it was one to nothing other team, I guess abs. It became one one. The the Predators tied it, mm-hmm. and then the Avs won the faceoff, oh, skated right. down, and scored, and they still did it they still after it, it was two to one. It was incredible. So yes, I hate those I hicks. Hope, I hate them so much. I hope they burn. <laughs> <laughs> like what point uh, do we cross the line into ridiculous? I think we just heretics. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So yeah, the fun series. Um, <laughs> I think I think it's Winnipeg and seven. I think a lot of these are going to be close. Uh, it just gets crazier and crazier. I think because then you get to like there's so many stories with some of these teams, and I think you get a Boston versus Pittsburgh, and it's like Boston's stacked, but Pittsburgh's done it before. Who wins? You've got maybe a, hopefully a Jets versus the Golden Knights. You got a high flying Jets team that's young against this team that. As uh, Jesse Blake put it on the Steve Dangle podcast, was a napkin last year. <laughs> the Golden Knights were names on a napkin. Yeah, and now they're this team that just came out of nowhere. Yeah, I think it's of playoff that's filled with more storylines than the NHL normally has. I looked up as an aside the Bolts light the Lightning roster, mm-hmm. and there were so many faces of people in Rangers jerseys that I was <laughs> like, "This I did not type Rangers roster." Uh, interesting aspect to the playoffs that I just thought of. Each series has one side with a Blues alumnus on it. Oh, no. And not another side. Of so course. So we could potentially end up with the TJ Oshie versus David Backus final and the, uh, the um, Perron and Reeves versus uh, Paul Stastny final. 
and we'd just have a little tournament about which blue is going to raise the cup. And if it's going to be one of them, Paul Stastny. A hundred times Paul Stastny. I want that toothless grin raising that cup. I'm sorry, baby. David, but you're show not allowed. Peter in the crowd. I can't. I can't do it. I love David Backus. I can't watch it. I will die inside. I will die. See, now this is inside. like you saw an ex girlfriend on Facebook and she just got engaged. And you're like, uh-huh. oh. I've had that happen. And it's. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and that fills me with joy. It's but that's David Bankus. He's lifting that cup. You're happy for him, but you're like, it could have been with me. Yeah. It could have been with me. We could have built something more beautiful. Because, David, nobody's going to... <laughs> <laughs> David, nobody's going to remember that you won a cup with the Bruins. You're a footnote for the Bruins. Oh. You could have been our captain. You could have been the captain that raised the cup, you selfish tool. Uh, <laughs> we love you. We basically talked about the Jets Predators, didn't mm-hmm. we? Uh, Kings Ducks, they both are exactly what they thought, and I have nothing more to say about it. I think them. they're on different I think they're on different trajectories just in that I think the Kings are moving to rebuilding a, and yeah, kind of kind of going up. up and the ducks, I think Or at least moving in a direction. Yeah. I don't know if it's up yet, but it's not stagnant for a decade, which is what the Ducks have been. I think if the Ducks aren't careful with how they manage their roster, I think they're sitting you, bottom five you know, pretty soon. You know how actual Ducks, the the stereotype is like, oh, they look so calm on the surface, but underneath their feet are all... Oh, yeah. You know, there's a nice well, oh, water under there for you. I hate the water part. Uh, but anyway, those ducks are just dead. They're just farting their motionless. Um, we this talked about the getting more Jets Predators series. Uh, the Wild, we already talked about Fletcher at Link. The Avs, I'm scared for. Jordan, our world-renowned Avs correspondent, thinks they'll be dead last again last year. Oh. I don't agree with him. He's admittedly very pessimistic about his team. But there you go. There's your tidbit. We'll talk about them more when we do a Central Division preview later in the summer. You have things to say about Colton Pareko, so let's do that. <laughs> so I was saying, and transitions are just falling by the wayside. Um, Pareko. Colton Pareko. Pareko. Blues defenseman. Yes or no? <laughs> yeah, how do you feel? Um, I think he had... A rough season in general this year. And I've seen a lot of people on Twitter and on message boards kind of, you know, banging away at the keyboard saying like, you know, this is the guy to trade. If we're going to trade somebody for value, um, <laughs> this is the guy that we need to move. We've lost it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's over. Um, and I don't think they're wrong. I think in the right move, Colton Preco is the guy you can move from your back end. But it has to be for like... Oh, well, so I have the written down in these notes is that if you're moving Preco, it's for, as you've kind of mentioned before, and up with other trades or other acquisitions, another player and the move is like with a purpose, like a total purpose. It's not like, oh, who can we get for Colton Preco? Yeah, why not? Close your room, I guess. That's no. Not, yeah. We no. need a name in mind and then you offer Colton Preco plus whatever. Um, it's not just shopping them for who knows what. We're not in that kind of mode at all. Mm. Having said all that, though, Preco didn't really have a down year statistically. Um, he had, I believe, points that were on par with what he's had the last couple of years, which I guess you could argue is a regression in the sense that he hasn't improved. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see here. There we go. 
33 points his rookie year, 35 points his sophomore year, and 35 points this year. So he sucks. So, so consistent. Uh, he had a plus-minus his rookie year of 28, then 7 last year, minus 7 this year. Um, so defensively, kind of out there for more goals against, but also he's playing more minutes. I believe he's playing like a whole minute and 40 seconds more per game than he did last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's playing his rookie year. He played fifteen, fifteen hundred thirty-two points. I guess or points minutes. I guess it's minutes. And then this year it was eighteen fifty-four. So like a whole three thousand more. Mm-hmm. That's still or a whole three hundred more. Excuse me. That's he's just getting more ice time. So I think he might be getting a little exposed out there. Um, but at the same time too, if you look at there's an advanced stat called PDO. It stands for nothing, um, but it's sort of combines your, let's see, it's your... Player development operation. Uh, it literally, I looked it up, it doesn't stand for anything. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I think it was the screen name of some guy who came up with this, I believe. Really? You can That's check awesome. it out. Um, it's on ice shot percentage. That's the most hockey thing that's oh, ever yeah. happened. That's because this, cause it's a... I love the sport. Love it's a fourth-rate sport. Please love our sport. Hashtag, please love our sport. So PDO <laughs> is a stat that kind of measures luck for a player. It combines on-ice shooting percentage and on-ice save percentage. Mm-hmm. So that's like, it's not necessarily Colton save percentage or shooting percentage. It's the five-man unit and then mm-hmm. like your goalie. So it's supposed to add up to 100 if you're within... 98 to 102, you're supposed to be about as lucky as anybody else. If you're under 98, you're supposed to have like bad luck. Over 102 predicts that you were having really good luck. Mm. So Pareko had a 103 PDO his rookie year. So was kind of doing really well for what he was, for who he was. Last year was 100.7. This year, 98.3. So it's gotten worse. Mm-hmm. And his points have stayed the same. If you're with me there, that essentially means if you adjust all those to 100, he probably scores a little less his rookie year, the same last year, and maybe a little more this Mm -hmm. year. So that's putting him on a trajectory of what he should be hitting. I think what people see with Colton Preco is the problem, and I don't fault them there. There was a lot of times this year, especially towards the end of the season, where he didn't really engage a attacking forward in front of the net. Mm-hmm. And it's not even just physically like shoving them and cross-checking them. It's just tangling up their stick. Uh, yeah. Duncan Keith's amazing at that. There's a lot of players that are really good at that. Alex is really good at that. I think he needs to be more engaged with the opposition. There's a lot of times where I think he uses his reach to his advantage. I mean, mm-hmm. he's got a huge stick, a long stick. Hey-o. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and it's, it's a good advantage to have, but I think sometimes... He'd rather do that than close the gap. Mm. I don't know if he's just afraid of getting burned. Um, I don't know what it is. His Corsi 4 this year was really good, 52.9. I believe there's a Jeremy Rutherford article or in his mailbag where he mentions that him with Jay Bowmeister had like a 54.2. And that's really good. And you might say, well, that's Jay Bowmeister helping him out even further. But when Jay Bowmeister wasn't with him, Jay Bowmeister had like a 48. Nice. Corsi 4. Awesome. So that's Colton Pareko lifting Jay Bowmeister <laughs> up. I believe also... Um, Some fans will not be surprised uh, oh, to hear that. No, not at all. Vince Dunn and uh, Pareko played like 300-something minutes towards the end of the season together and had a 56 uh, Corsi 4. Mm-hmm. That's really good. That's 
probably your second pairing next year. Yeah. And I think for a full year after Vince Dunn's gone through all of this year, I think that's going to be a, a really amazing pairing. Mm-hmm. So basically, what I'm trying to say is, Colton Preco, don't trade him. Mm-hmm. Doug Armstrong, don't trade him. <laughs> I know you listen. So... Um, Unless it's for something of great value. <laughs> <laughs> Pearl of unreasonable price. Uh, so along that line of the do or don't trade them, I thought of a fun game we could close with tonight. Uh, and that is this. I'm going to go through the current Blues roster, including pending UFAs. Um, and <laughs> I'm going to name them to you. And I'll give you their cat figures uh, where applicable. And you are going to rate them on a scale of one to four. One is they must be here next season. And four is they have to be gone. Inaugurating what you have hashtagged. Would you, would you like Oh, it? hashtag, because you got to say that. Pack your shit, <laughs> summer 2018. <laughs> I can't wait to use it. So the fours will be, of course, packing they shit. And getting out of town, and the ones will be buying homes, I guess. And creep And then two is lean towards keep. Strongly, it's fairly strongly lean towards trade. Prefer to keep versus <laughs> would prefer to trade, I guess. Number one, right out of the gate, Alexander Steve. Oh, man. I thought with you were his gonna... $5.75 million cap hit. Through 2020. I thought you were going to give me a, a underhand pitch a to begin. But no, no. Baby. We start hard and Alexander deep Steen, on this podcast. I'm going to say a, I'm going to say a two. I would rather keep him. You think so? Um, you don't have to explain, but feel free I'll, to I'll, do so. I'll say quickly so I don't have to like get hung up on anyone necessarily until we get to somebody, and then we will. Um, Alexander Steen, I think we should keep just because I think he's productive i think he had a not the best season this year but he's shown that he can still be a really good second liner mm-hmm. i think he's despite what people think in his age and that his productivity has slowed mm-hmm. he's still very effective and i think also we've seen that supposedly through jeremy rutherford articles and things like that mm-hmm. he's a kind of a leader in the locker room i don't know if it's he's a divisive leader but from what I read, it sounds like he tries to take guys under his wing. He tries to make sure everyone feels included. That's a guy I would want mm-hmm. on my team, so I say keep him. Yeah, okay. Good. I think I lean towards keep. I'm okay with trading him if the deal yeah. is right, because I do think that contract's a little iffy. But I How many more years? Three? Four. Three, Four. three more, excuse okay, me. Okay, I gotcha. Through 2020. Uh, Jaden Schwartz through 2020, $5.35 million. One through four. Well, he is an asshole, but... <laughs> um, Long-running joke, people. Long-running. Long well, running. is it? Well, anyway. It's true. <laughs> you decide. Watch the X-Files theme. Let's fly here. Nobody knows. <laughs> I thought you were going the Jeopardy theme, but... Uh, num- he's one. He keep Jaden Schwartz, Absolutely, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Uh, Vladimir Savoka, $3.5 million AAV through... 2019. Four. He's out of here. Vladimir Savoka. Pack yo shit. shit. <laughs> He's out of here. Scotty Upshaw, one through four, injured, UFA. Three. Yeah. We, if he signs I wouldn't again, say four because he's likable enough. 
Yeah. But I, th- I'm kinda, I think he's gone regardless. It sounds mean, but I'm kind of over it. <laughs> <laughs> Braden Shin, $5.125 million through 2019. One. Braden Shin, pack yo house. Buy a house. <laughs> Patrick Bergwin, $3.85 million Ooh. with a partial no trade clause through 2021. I'll give him a two. I'm wow. I'm all right with Q. Is there, Mr. Can I, Peters is generous. Can I do like the middle, the two and a half? Um, it's, sure. Let's give you that total out <laughs> on any given no day. Opinion. On any given day, I could be like, let's keep him or let's trade him. I think he's fine so long as you keep him as a third line center. But but the thought process being that I would hope we get a. I hope we get John Tavares. Oh, then Braden Shen is then second line center, and, and then you have Tomah is the yes, third line center. You have Robert Thomas as your third line center. Oh baby! So Patrick Burrow can still fit in as like a winger. I saw Mister Boy's hat. He doesn't listen to this podcast. If he does, hi, how you doing? Die. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. He Sorry, did, uh, it's he did very late. With Dan Buffa, and he did not have Robert Thomas in the projected lineup, and I was just like, bro, bro, you drunk? You drunk, bro? That's what I said, because I say that all the time. Mm. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure even Jeremy Rutherford has said that he will be more shocked if Robert Thomas like doesn't push for a lineup spot. What are you going to tell that kid after this year? Now nah, you got to go to the AHL guy. Uh, I, I don't, I even, think he, I don't even think juniors. he can. Yeah. There's yeah. no way. He's he making this do team. Anything. This is kind of the Robbie Fabry situation yeah. where it's like, Juniors are just going to waste you. It's gonna, he's going to have 42 points three weeks into the season, and they're going to film a video of them telling him that he's not getting sent down to yeah. the Junior League, <laughs> which they definitely did with Robbie Fabry, and it was like supposed to be touching, and I was like, yeah, but duh. Um, <laughs> Kyle Brodziak, UFA. <sighs> he's a one-plus baby. You gots to keep Kyle Brodziak. I give him a two. Um I don't have to keep him. I'm but giving I think him a strong two. <laughs> a, a strong two to a light one. Uh, um, I think he does a really good job. He can move up and down the lineup. I really would like it if we didn't get injured and he just I, stuck to the fourth line. I think he's a great yeah. fourth line center. And on top of that, an amazing penalty killer. I think what he did this year, mm. especially post-Stasny leaving, one seems ridiculous for a fourth line guy, but I think I give it to him. Uh, the only condition where I'm okay with him weaving is if somebody says, hey, we want you for three years at $9 million or whatever. Then mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, Kyle, enjoy Vancouver. But <laughs> uh, other than that, I really want him back. Tage Thompson, uh, $9.25 million, apparently nine hundred and twenty five k <laughs> through 2020. He'll be an RFA. Uh, kind of a prospect, hard to say. You would yeah. be okay trading him. Yeah, I guess I'd say three. Like, Ooh. not that I want to get rid of them, but like of the prospects that are considered our top prospects, I'd rather trade yeah. him than any. I'm of hoping them. there's a forward log jam soon, and he might just be the odd one out. The aforementioned and highly crippled Robbie Fabry, <laughs> who is in Turks and Caicos, according to Instagram. Really? Mm-hmm. Working oh. hard on that rehab, Robbie. <laughs> Robbie. Robert. You're kind of. <laughs> Maybe a three for Robbie Fabry. Look, I want Robbie Fabry to do really well. I have zero. I have 
Like, I've gone from not knowing what to expect to now having, like, zero faith. Yeah. Like, I, I just don't think it's going to happen for him. And that's real sad to think. But it's, it might just be also because he's I haven't seen him lace up in a year and a half. He's 22. Here's the, here's the thing we cannot, cannot, cannot do with Robbie Fabry. We cannot depend on him for anything this year. If you want to slot him, the most you can say is he is a third-line winger with a strong backup plan. That is the most I will settle for because nothing against him, but you you can't know that he will be healthy. And if he is healthy, you can't know what he is. Yeah. So there cannot stay healthy. I've seen a lot of people and I'm, you know, I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but I've seen a lot of people and we've talked about this before, but a lot of people are like, yeah, next season we'll have Robbie Fabry back. And they say it with the gusto of like, we're getting 2015, 16 Robbie Fabry back. And it's just like, how can you know? You can't, you cannot know that. Um, as I've said before, he's torn the same ACL twice, twice in a sport that is ninety percent pivoting. That's not a good <laughs> recipe. Uh, Ivan Barbashev and Oscar Sundquist. Oh, Oscar Sundquist is like a, a four. Is like five. <laughs> he's like a three in the sense that I'm like don't have an opinion enough. To be like get him out of yeah. here. But yeah, he's gone. Ivan Barbashev. He's an RFA after this. Oh, year. really? So. Got to do something. Yeah, I will. Sixth round pick, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably talk about it when we kind of get closer to looking at uh, some roster and like after um, the draft and everything. But we've just got so many bottom six forwards, mm. so many of them, and it's like you got to cut loose some of these dudes or make a trade for you, a sixth round pick or something. I don't know. Yeah. Ivan Barbashev, strong opinions one way or the other. Two. My heart says two because of the sign puck. Because of the sign puck. <laughs> um, I, I like him. I just wish he'd kind of put it all together. He's not the worst out there. It just kind of feels like he's kind of treading water. You know, like, yeah, there's Ivan Barbashev. There he goes. Like, he scores a goal here or there. I think he's still got the potential. I just think, I don't know. If they don't want to play him at center, he might look good on like a Robert Thomas wing <laughs> sort of thing. But I think if he's not sticking in your top six now, if he's not sticking in your top six this year without injury, you know, without him having to play up there because someone's injured, then I think you start thinking about moving him maybe. Cause, Barbershop, yeah, because yeah, he's fine as a maybe a third liner, but you've got those. I don't know. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko is a one, I assume. He's a zero. <laughs> so good. Um, Dimitri Askin, RFA this year. What do you do with him? Uh, Trade him? Get rid of him? I, I say get rid of him. I, <laughs> <laughs> Not in like a harsh way, but in that sort of you got a log jam and he's proven what he can and can't do. I think he's got some value, but I just don't know if his value is here. Yeah, that's another thing. Staple him to the right wing of the fourth line and doing anything else with them or being forced to do anything else with them uh, roster-wise, like then move him. Chris Thorburn, 900000 through next year. You're keeping him unless you can sign Ryan Reeves and get rid of him. Yeah, and I don't think that's going to happen either. So much as I'd like it to, much as I'm sure he'll still be here. That's fine. That's fine. Nikita Sashnikov, 
Wow, I forgot. We isn't really. A, he's not really a one, but I don't see a situation where we trade him we'll after trade him. right after yeah. we got him as an RFA. We need to get him healthy. I want. I see that. I want this weird situation where like Doug Armstrong is totally bought into this dude, and he's like five year at two million AAV. Oh, no. uh, Alex Petrangelo. Obviously a zero, <laughs> a one, a one prime, whatever you want to say. Colton Pareko, you talked about him. Where would you put him on this spectrum? Yeah, I'd say like a two. Two plus two, yeah. yeah. A, you you a said hard, pretty queerly what you would do with A him. hard two. Jay Bomeister and Carl Gunnarsson are kind of <laughs> awkward non-issues, as Doug Armstrong yeah, exactly. pretty bluntly yeah. said in his press conference. Nobody wants old banged up parts. <laughs> Robert Bortuzzo, $1.5 million through next year. Thoughts? Mm, I guess keep him. That was kind of another point of the Colton Pareko thing that I forgot to bring up is if he, uh, <laughs> if we trade Colton Pareko, uh-huh. like we don't really, ha- we don't have a glut of defensemen behind him to move up into like a right handed shot role. So I don't like, and Robert Bortuzzo, I believe, is that. So you've got him and Schmaltz. So I kind of think you need to still keep Robert Bertuzzo mm-hmm. as a seventh defenseman. And maybe if Schmaltz, I don't know, if you find some other guy that fills that role for less and is younger, then trade him. But otherwise, yeah, I'm sure just keep him. You need a, you need a warm body. Yeah. The San Jose Sharks mm-hmm. have won. Game two in second overtime. Five minutes in on a goal from... Milker Carlson. No, Damn. no, not quite that random. You want me to just tell you? It's just Logan Couture. Oh, that would have been the easy good guess. good old buddy Logan Couture. Uh, sometimes you go with the easy guess, Ian. This is your <laughs> lesson for the day. Joel Edmondson is an RFA after this season. What are your thoughts? He's a one. We He's keep a him. one. How Dang. much do you think? Gun to your head, how much is he making? What's the contract, the whole deal? Uh, two years for $7 million. Three point five. Uh, what is he? He's RFA. Uh huh. Okay, so he's making less. Um, maybe three for twelve. How old is he? What's his age? <laughs> Young. Where was he born? He's an RFA. He uh, is from age twenty four. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just trying to figure out if they wanted to take him up to his UFA. They're most certainly not going to buy any of his UFA years. I don't think. I so yeah, I wouldn't think. So, yeah, two or three years. Um, I think he makes a skosh under three and a half. I think Joel he... Edmondson will be 25 this summer. Okay. And he is from the hometown of the Brandon Wheat Kings, Brandon, Manitoba. <laughs> I assume it's the hometown of the Brandon Wheat Kings. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. Kings. Oh, I'm sure. Um, I think he makes like 3.25 or maybe even a solid like three. Nick, nickname Wheat City. Yeah, baby. That's when you know you're living large. 48,000 population. Three. Solid three million. We've gone too far. Thanks, let's, Pierre. Let's run through the rest of this. Oh, Joel Edmondson from Brandon, Manitoba. You know, the Wheat City up there. They got the Brandon Wheat Kings. And I tell you, I talked to the head coach of the Brandon Wheat Kings. And then I killed myself. <laughs> Vince Dunn is a one, right? Oh, yeah. Hard one. Uh, Jake Allen. This is a big question we're going to talk about plenty this offseason. So we'll make it real quick. Um, He's a, for me, for me, he's a four. (laughs) Agreed. Uh, I think the general consensus, though, I would hope at this point has to be like a light three. Like, sure, keep him, but like, I don't know. I would say 
I would say if there's a route out. This is one of those situations where the plane's going down. If you can steer it into the Hudson, by all oh, means <laughs> do. Uh, Thanks, Carter Holly. Hutton to round it out. Um, light too. I'd like to have him here. Next I think year he'll still. be priced out. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna be here. Come on down, um, Billy Huso. <laughs> I guess a couple couple competitors for tweet of the week. Complete hockey news tweeted out. Uh, crying Jordan meme with the Philadelphia Flyers logo on April 22nd. That's fun. We retweeted it. Have you seen the crying Give Jordan? Give it a look. For uh, Nashville? No. God, it's scary. Is it just horrifying? Yeah, because he's, like, he's got the still crazy fangs. Here's a thing we didn't talk about that I will not linger on, but we'll mention reason, reasonably quickly. Rick Westhead, who is a correspondent with the Sports Network, tweeted out the highest ratings shares for NHL tweet teams, and the top five teams included, number one, the Pittsburgh Penguins with a 5.81% market share, number two, the Buffalo Sabres, who do not... Not know an end of their suffering with a 4.62% market share. And number three, our very own St. Louis Blues, the third most watched, not technically because it's a share percentage thing, but the third most loyal fan base, I guess, or most saturated fan base. In America. At 3.93%. I'm very proud of us. Minneapolis Wild and Boston Bruin right at the top uh, gainers or the top five whatever-ers. Uh, the Predators and the somebody that he hovered over, and I can't read their name, but it looks like they are on Fox Sports Southwest, so it can't be the Coyotes. No, because the Coyotes had the lowest rating. Co- Colorado and New Jersey and, and New York Islanders were the groups that gained the most. Hmm. And the lowest rated team is the Los Angeles King. But that's really? not really fair because it's a percentage of your oh, market, yeah. and that's ridiculous. Fifty-four percent of Los Angeles, or point five four percent of Los Angeles, probably a lot more than four percent of St. Louis. In that uh, Las Vegas game one against San Jose, that seven. Las Vegas victory, is probably the biggest gainer. That's they, a good point. They had one in five. One out of every five homes had that uh, game That's one. That's awesome. That's amazing. Uh, Tony X tweeted. I don't know who this dude Kane is, but we got to stop him. That was on the night he became famous, I think. Mm-hmm. And he said, he retweeted that and said, two years to the day, hasn't won a playoff game since this tweet. We stopped him, boys. We stopped him. And then finally, <laughs> Dave Lozo <laughs> tweeted, Dan Girardi and Rick Nash scored in the same playoff game with a gif of Homer Simpson saying the end is near. And then he added, if Ryan Callahan scores, huddle your family in the southwest corner of your basement and pray that God is merciful. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe he did, so we're safe. Uh, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Two Guys No Cup podcast. We gave you four tweets of the week because you've listened for so long, and we've said basically nothing. Uh, We're up late, and so we've been a little goofy. Thanks for your patience. We'll be back next week, I assume on Thursday, but we didn't announce that it wouldn't be Thursday this week. (laughs) So So we're in charge. Uh, With coverage, more coverage of the second round, some other blues topic, and more shenanigans, shenanigai, shenanigentlemen. (laughs) That's enough. Oh, no. I am departing. Do you have any final words? No. (laughs) Good night. Bye.